I've had a request for all five, but we don't all know them, so the first and the last verses are the rap sack. Hello and welcome to That Option No Longer Exists, the semi-regular podcast that is a scuffle in the Isle of Labour's broad church. My name is John Bounds and I'm currently embroiled in numerous left WhatsApp groups uh, discussing nominations and other conspiracies. With me, of course, as ever... Do as- you mean they don't just tell you what to think? No one tells us what to think. That's why we're so incoherent. And more coherently, perhaps, uh, from the right of the Labour Party, now ensconced firmly back in the bosom of the big tent, uh, is Mr Adam Juniper. Hello, Adam. Hello. I, I don't think I'm going to be that much more coherent, to be honest. It's just I seem to do a lot of my um, my thinking on my own. I don't have enough WhatsApp friends. Well, I, you know, I, you know how WhatsApp works, and like you can see the names of people you know, but people you don't know, you just get these numbers. So they're just going like, uh, oh seven nine four 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 says, "Don't you dare vote for Mohammed, what's if, what's whoever it is, uh, for the BME candidate for the uh, NEC because they've done this or whoever." Um, I'm making that up, but. Um, yeah. Our phone number, ran- Ooh, a phone number, randomly tells you something that may or may not be true, and you have to believe it because that phone number was allowed into your WhatsApp group by whoever's the Grand High Chief of it. It's difficult. There's, um, you know, they talk about these sort of secret WhatsApp groups uh, that that were, you know, the Corbyn Outriders or whatever. I'm fairly sure anybody could have set one of those up. That would have been a very clever, um, maybe not too clever, misinformation campaign. Uh, done by the the Tories just before the election or in fact they could have just set one up and not controlled it or lied to it in any way just created yet another space for people to bicker in and yeah um, Yeah, that would have worked just as well (laughs) that is the Labour Party isn't it it's uh, a lot of people are very happy to talk about politics in a way that will not ideally come to a conclusion speaking of which I uh, I went to my first uh, branch or what uh, what's the thing you have meeting. was it branch or um, was it clp it's a, no it was the branch because it was the ward okay yeah, it was the um, meeting. was it the agm so, no that's next month right. this was two hours of conversation followed by a trip to the pub and i think we were still not all that settled although i've been thoroughly probed and tested by the chair and uh, other and the local councillors on where i am in the party Okay, so you've got oh blimey, you've got uh, a properly organised and functioning branch then, rather. So you've got councillors within it. We have we have none of these things. We have a councillor who's apparently been councillor for twenty seven years. Another councillor was visiting. Um, we had like five or six new members, uh, including myself, and I don't know five or six other you know existing members and somebody who was left wing just to come to talk about what they did in their bit of the borough it's uh, branch meetings are weird it was our agm um at the end of uh, january and it is probably the largest attendance at a branch meeting um but we're still not often pushing past 20 uh people so it's a it's a weird um it's it's not exactly where do you have them quarters well we've tried various things um but basically it's just a little church hall that sounds nice 
that sounds nice and mid, you know middle english like we had ours in the front office um of a, an estate agency which is gifted by to the local you know or well, a couple of hours of which are gifted to the local labor party and there is on the wall which i thought was just put up for the occasion but is apparently there all the time a giant um rip off of the obama campaign but with jeremy corbyn and the word hope written underneath him which was especially ironic during most of the discussion that took place. Oh dear! Well, you had the discussion week, of course, because our latest meeting was the AGM. Was essentially just um, uh, elections and selections and nominations for the CLP AGM because it's that type of season. So we've got the branch AGMs, the CLP AGM coming up. We've also got your CLP selection meeting for the leadership and NEC candidates and and things like that. And it's like if you wanted to um, disable Labour as a, an activist on the streets fighting force at any one time, holding all of those things all together would really help. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, or, or getting everyone together and having a conference. Uh, not any, Anything can distract them from doing the winning. I'm quite interested in your experiences of the of the sort of branch uh, and meeting and system as a, you know, you've not been active in the Labour Party since you've been in that um, ward, have you, before? So that was a completely new no, experience no. for you. So I was just going to touch can, can slightly on the, the leadership meeting. And now the, um, for the most part, the more likely candidates are on the ballots. All these CLP nominations meetings become purely about momentum not as in the group but as in the the uh, yes. the push towards the 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 final members vote and making it as tidy and organized as the Iowa caucus well as... it's well it's 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 it's, it's more uh, it's better organized but um it's it's now got to the point so i i you know i've i've got a position i have a a way i'd which i'd like to vote um, in our CLP nominations, but it's actually a huge ball ache for me to get to it tonight. And had it have been crucial, had we have been struggling to get someone that I cared about on the ballot, I'd have made an effort. But I is, don't is, think I is will. Is Emily Thornbury going to come along personally to beg? Or um, the candidates aren't allowed at the actual nomination meetings, as far as I'm aware. Um, but we've had uh, Rebecca Long Bailey, Keir Starmer, Richard Bergen in various rooms nearby over the last couple of weeks to talk about, uh, you know, to make their pitches. Um, but, yeah, so I, so the, what I'm talking, what I think I'm saying is that you see that the direction of travel from the CLP nominations is leaning heavily towards Starmer and Rayner at the moment. But I wonder if um, even the CLP nominations are representative of the wider membership because um let's face it we've got 250 plus members in our branch yeah 25 tops in my four sort of four years as secretary five years probably have, have been here have um ever attended a few more have, yeah a few more have done sounds... some leafleting or i've seen them or i know them i've had emails from them but yeah roughly 10 percent of people I think, though, if you've ever been to a, a Labour Party meeting or a union... Br I used to um, run a uh, 
branch meeting of a union. Um, you know, we were good ones and we had guest speakers and everything, but still, those things can be pretty boring. Um, I can sympathise with people who might have something better on. I mean, it's really difficult. And for the CLP nominations thing, now they are a crucial part of the process. The fact that there was no way that my partner and I could both go to the meeting, even if we tried, because they, you know they don't have a crash. And it's and it's at bed, you know, at at child bedtime sort of thing. Yeah, you know, so the, you know, we couldn't have, we can't, we're not, we, there's no sort of system for proxies or whatever. So I'm just saying that I think these things are going to be a bit skewed. And I was also thinking that I am possibly more active in the Labour Party than about 95 percent of members. There are loads of people that are way more active than me, but it's a small number. Yes, and, and also the people who are more active tend to be the people who have rather too much time on their hands. They're not necessarily representative of the population they seek to eventually control the representation of. Well, I don't think that's I don't think that's a problem. But and often those people who are really active are really active in lots of other things as well. You know, they've got busy jobs, families, whatever. You want something done, ask a busy person, as they say. But um, what I'm sort of thinking is, I don't always make our CLP meetings and I really care so it's kind of um, you know because they're in you know they're in weird places they're at weird times of night there are um, yeah and it's and also you look at them and you think okay so the AGM possibly could settle something but most of the rest of them don't the big decisions get made on the sort of executive committee or the campaigns committee or, or whatever which again are different weird times and you don't always get to make but the i've i heard um james schneider who used to work in um, jeremy's office and he talked about one of the big disappointments of sort of the the corbyn time at the head of the party is that they've not managed to or there wasn't room to democratize and you know change the way the sort of clp structure works because it's not connecting people. It's not really engaging. I don't know. Let's say any more. Let's say it's any more than ten percent of the the membership, which is a lot of people still. But you know, maybe the solution is to involuntarily anyone who signs up gets put into uh, one of the local WhatsApp group, and therefore they converse in the new modern, depressing, shouty, never facing each other random lottery number approach. <laughs> uh, but then, they, of course, the problem is then it could all be herded around by the chair or, you know... I think it was slightly obvious to me that, you know, stronger personalities affect other people's processes a bit. Well, it, it, if you are more active... So my branch is nominations for um, the general committee members of the CLP... You know, they were voted on perfectly democratically, but they were decided essentially by the fact that someone cared enough to nominate those people, and in one case that one of the candidates sent a statement to the meeting. So people were going, oh, they've, you know, they've tried a bit. Uh, so the the actual, um, you know, the elements of, you know, I think only one went to a vote out of 10, 12 nominations. So it's, yeah, it's not exactly working in terms of democracy. And the few new members there are confuddled by it. 
Um, yes. And that you, yes, because you you see it, and you know either somebody does something really awkward, like, well, I mean, it never would never actually happen, especially not in this country. But someone might stand against another person, that would be horrible, wouldn't it? So oh, everyone well. awkwardly shares out the task, you know, everyone's seeking to avoid being treasurer or the secretary because they have to do any actual work. Everyone wants to be chair because that's cool, but not necessarily enough to, you know, risk saying so out loud. Well, um, I, I, like you say, I've ended up secretary and it is, yeah, it is pretty much, the, the treasurer has a little bit of work once a year, but the rest of the the branch sort of, um, you know, I, I was pers- persuading someone to stand for chair this year and essentially one of the lines I used you technically have to do nothing apart from turn up to six meetings yeah which and, is great and that's not what I wanted them to do I'm sure that once in position they'll do a lot more but the it's going, I've got too much on you, the chair doesn't have to do anything and it, it makes you wonder that I don't think our branch is this bad but there are hollow branches around the country that do nothing but you know stuff meet in the room on the clp's committees to skew them right or left or you know what i mean probably right in in because it's those it's the the hangovers of the sort of hollow blair-esque years oh you see always always with it you know oh yeah it's probably right if there's a conspiracy oh no it's, it's not push consp- someone it's off. not a conspiracy you're just playing the rules and you've and you have in the recent sort of the last 30 years been better at it like you know playing the game the uh for example well this is, uh, not, maybe not the last five of them don't want to speak with you got you guys changed the rules thinking you'd get an advantage and hadn't thought it through there you go but the um the there there are a number of union branches um who are suddenly affiliating to our clp so they can send delegates which for my mind these are the more right leaning unions they are worried about a left wing takeover oh. so these are yeah it's it's maneuverings it's not pure democracy going on yeah well as long as the party is in any way attached to the unions which it sort of has to be given its history and everything um there's going to be a problem isn't there with you know democracy unless it is just one member one vote and but the as i understand it the union still get a block vote right the the members vote and then it's rounded up in um at the at conference yeah but the, it's not quite what work what how it works at a, a sort of clp level so um essentially you send um delegates to the ec which then are the only people that get to vote on some things so um, positions to the, the the sort of general committee. So voting for the the chair, for example. So it's um, or nomination, you know, or people who go to conference and stuff. So it's kind of a it's kind of a ballot stuffing, and it's it's not clear that the um, the unions are fully democratic in their structures. I mean, they don't they can make up their own rules, can't they? They, I guess, yes, but that's well, that's sort of the problem, isn't it? If different people are making up different rules, then it's not democratic either. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a mess. So, 
That'll be interesting to um so talk us through your uh, your meeting. Did you come away feeling enthused? Did you get given any jobs? Are you now chair? Uh no, um I get the distinct impression that the chair in fact he sort of laid a subtle warning for people that he rather liked that position. He said, you know, of course everyone can stand for anything but <laughs> um and he also handed well, out Well you technically leaflets. can't. You probably wouldn't even have been allowed to vote. He also handed out leaflets for Rebecca Long Bailey and uh um what's uh what's his name? Richard the Weirdo. Um Richard Digent Bergen. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty clear on his views. Um he also looked a bit like a slightly younger and tidier Jeremy Corbyn when he had the big poster next to him. But, uh, that, you know, I think it was interesting that he was, you know, they, they were very surprised by having new members showing up to the, the quantity that had done at the meeting. So it was like two hours in a meeting and then two hours in the pub. Um, most people didn't go, you know, to the pub, actually. You know, they implied they did, but it was like, and all boys as well. Um, the the meeting was you know even numbers, but no no one none of the women came. So that's interesting. Did your branch meet the fifty uh, percent female representation in positions? Uh, I honestly don't know because that's been a that's been a problem for for ours for for some years. We've struggled to get. Uh, women, although you know, roughly half and half in the membership, roughly um, struggled to get women to put themselves forward for any of the the jobs, essentially. And well, te- I'll, I'll find out. I'll find out next month if uh, if the AGM doesn't clash with anything. Um, and I, yes, and I'm not allowed to go to the the one in the meantime, or at least I'm not. I'm allowed to go, but not say anything. Um, for the. Is it the constituency one? Yeah, the constituency um, domination meeting. You haven't had because I, I haven't been a member long enough. No, that's that's coming up. So there was a bit of discussion of that. Um, it was you know we could tell it was a room of people who some who wanted to get a bit chatty about politics. There, there was a bit of a report on the election, which was well put a, a more positive spin on it than could reason you know it it was dishonest okay. um, but uh, well uh you know because obviously we have the, comfortably won this constituency um and uh, i i was just strangely listen you know strange to listen to somebody drawing inferences um from it that didn't necessarily reflect the national picture yeah. But most most campaigning around here happened. I mean, you know, I campaigned even before I was well uh, a member. Not not here, but in Chingford, which was the the winnable, if you like, seat in the area. I don't know. Maybe a lot of maybe a lot of people felt like me and felt the need to be new members to help fight help the fight back. Um, and I, I thought it was interesting. You know, this guy got shared got to share his views. Um, so maybe it's not going to be as easy a run for Keir Starmer as you might think. Well, I think I'm I'm not convinced that it is an easy run. I think once you open it up to the membership and uh, you know one member one vote, I think we see it could go either way. It could be that the huge swathe of sort of non-meeting active members is more left, 
and more online and or you know and more likely to have, have have reached you know got stuff from the sort of you know the sort of momentum or the union sort of social media operations than than Starmer's official very well funded as far as I can tell campaign um I love the way everyone on your side of things throws in the line "very well funded." If they're maybe just looking at something that's organised or competent, they assume it is funding that is the issue rather than you know the actual competence. Well, um, Keir Starmer's team are advertising for a sort of full-time organiser um, near us. The uh, I, that seems that seems overkill for an internal election, but. Uh, you know, you'd think you'd have a lot of grassroots people really willing to volunteer um, and get that job done, but um, who knows? Maybe it's easier if you can just pay them. Uh, certainly easier to have tell you, them what um, to do. Have you been... Uh, um, I mean, obviously, I, as you say, your Twitter profile shows that you've rather picked... You've made your decisions, uh, but have you been following any of it? One of, um, as somebody, I've, I found myself not at all confident about any of the choices on offer. You know, I, I genuinely haven't decided how I will vote. Um, I can tell you it won't be for Emily Thornberry. Um, mm. But I have what I have done is been listening to the the political party podcast where Matt Ford, the comedian and former New Labour employee, and interviews absolute melt. Go on. Yeah, feel free to not like him or not, but you know. It's a, it's a good show from a, a political nerd's point of view, and he interviews interesting people. Um, and at some point in the last year, he's interviewed everyone on that uh, rostrum, except Rebecca Long-Bailey, who I think is will be interviewed before the end of the process. Um, so you, it's, it seems like a good opportunity to get to know them in a way that you don't quite from leaders' debate format. Well, certainly, I didn't bother uh, watching the um, the leaders, the, the sort of Labour Party organised second leaders debate after watching the first one. I, like I said, we, we said last time, I don't think I came away knowing anything other than the fact that Jess Phillips really couldn't do it. The um, which yeah. I kind of suspected, but it, it was confirmed. But um, I don't think a restrictive. I don't think a restrictive sort of soundbite based format, even though it might mirror actual politics lets you learn anything i'd much rather see you know you remember uh channel four's after dark and they used to just sit people down and just let the camera go and eventually yeah sometimes it's cheap off- to doing it because the um you know the ad and all that can just walk off come back and get the tape out every now and again well they just set it on um off live wouldn't they? there's the famous one where oliver reed was on it pretending to be drunk as he often did but um so i don't know what just stick four of them or the you know more in the deputy leader contest in a room, um, and just let them talk for a bit. I'd re- I'd totally watch that. Well, obviously, the, um, this is this being a different approach. But Keir Starmer comes across very well, um, better I think in that you know in the context of a discussion held. I think his was he was on it back in March or something. I don't know. Um, you know, he was being asked questions about the fact that uh, 
he maybe had to nudge Corbyn in the right direction on the European issue. But it was before there was any chance of an election. I think it was while the Tory leadership was maybe going. I don't know. It's you know you can tell from the history of it, and it was it was interesting. He came across very well. Um, Lisa Nandy though is is a real surprise for me because she comes across incredibly well. She feels like the sort of person I could vote for. Um, and she looks. I don't know. She sort of does look the part, and she does look a bit different, doesn't she? She she would represent a bit of a change. Is Keir Starmer looks a bit like a slightly more left wing Tony Blair that would probably have not done the war, whereas Lisa Nandy seems like somebody who is less attached to the history of the party. I think that's possibly true. Starmer, if Starmer looks like anybody, it's a slightly um, funhouse mirror Cameron. I would have thought. But, oh, um, it physically looks like, or yeah, 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 yes, 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 yeah. It's slight, a slightly less charismatic, slightly more muted in policy terms. Blair, I think that's what you, that's what you get, and I, that's one of the reasons that. Well, they're both the reasons that I don't think that he's the the answer. Frankly, I don't think he's a bad person. I, w- you know, he'd do a fine job. At, um, one of the less ideological. Uh, ministries. He could have comfortably won in 2015, I feel like, but maybe the world is a slightly different place. The world's a very different place. He could do Ag and Fish, something like that. That's, that doesn't exist anymore, does it? But um, the, what, the rump of the Environment Agency, because all the actual green policies are in the um, Treasury and in the Business and Skills uh, well, portfolio. Well, ju- ju- yeah, justice would seem like the logical... <laughs> well, not with... If, you, if you're I, trying to... If, but, uh, uh, although, apart from his... Um, his record and that seems to be where you could pick holes in his record um if you if you want to he's done nothing wrong apart from and nothing wrong at all from your point of view in parliament really um uh, you know, apart from the apart from his uh, resigning in 2016 it's very difficult to see what he's done wrong in parliament you know he's he's not stood out a line he's not voted for the wrong things he's made where he's had disagreements he's had them in private and made his case and stuff like that. And it's difficult to see what he's done wrong in Parliament. But if you look at the people arguing strongly against him, it's all people who are picking up things that are, you know, some perhaps misinterpretations, but some fairly dodgy decisions made as director of public prosecutions. Um, so, yeah, I, a very clever lawyer, but you need a lot of clever lawyers in, uh, in Parliament. He did, you? Uh, did you know um, that he uh, also had been, uh, a guy had called himself Keir Starmer back while he was DPP. Um, he would uh, go turn up to events and, you know, he <clears throat> he had some sort of dating profile as Keir Starmer and um, was uh, dating two women at once, stealing their jewellery and giving it to each other and pretending he was Keir Starmer. And that's the one that is now running for Labour leadership, right? No, <laughs> no. I mean, it would no be... that, that that guy's in prison. I think. Oh, what a shame! One, of course, uh, as we record, one result of an internal selection announced today. A uh, little bit, got you know, a little bit of um, not skin in the game, but nostalgia value for us at least. Uh, the selection for the Labour candidate for West Midlands Metro Mayor. Um, yeah, is this news is the lucky for you? Winner? It, 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 I knew it was happening. If I told you that um, there was no money left 
uh, for this campaign. Would that uh, let you know who it was? Uh, no, because I can't remember who had any money. <laughs> it was um, so. Um, it's uh, famously uh, writer of notes that say there's no money left. Liam Byrne. Ah, yes. We shouldn't have done that, should he? Yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> no. He, it, oh, it, 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 yes. No, he shouldn't. Have. I, I, not that I particularly blame him um, for it, because quite funny at the time. But uh, yeah, the. Uh, but that's a, been seen as some people in the in the Midlands media, such that it is, as a um, a bit of a a win for the right of the party, which might augur well for Keir Starmer because he defeated a well two left candidates really, um, one very much rooted in the local politics and the the trade unions, and um, one not rooted strongly enough in the Labour Party at all, according to uh, her opponents. So that was um, Salma Yacoub, ex of uh, respect, and uh, Pete Lowe, who's a, a councillor in the black country, um, who had the slightly dodgy slogan, as far as I could uh, see, a socialist, a trade unionist, one of us. Um, one of us. Well, I thought one of, <laughs> one of us particularly you know, not well thought through when your main opponent for the sort of left of the Midlands Labour vote is a um, Muslim woman. Yes. Um, it could have been, yes. could it have been particularly not through. well thought through or was it worryingly well thought through? Was he trying to appeal for the, to the racist members of the Labour Party slash, sorry, uh, Brexiteer members of the Labour Party? Well, I, don't, I mean, I, I don't know. And I'm not throwing, any, not throwing any accusations about it. It just made me a little bit uncomfortable. But um, yes, I'm. It, I, th- I think I don't think Bernie's a bad candidate, and he um, he was oddly endorsed by John McDonnell, um, which was a bit of a weird one. This was before uh, Sammy Cooper had um, decided she was going to run. But um, and John McDonnell, you know, in all fairness to him, does sort of can do sums and that, so probably would respect somebody who left a note like that. Well, I think it's um, it's, it's sort of a, a testament, perhaps, to um, how Liam Byrne has been able to talk a slightly lefter game in his sort of soft campaigning for this. He's you know like fully endorsed um, Green New Deal esque policies and um, talked up a lot about homelessness, which is the huge failure. I mean, they don't the admit the Metro Mayor in the West Midlands doesn't have a huge amount of influence, but one thing they could really affect is homelessness. And the difference between how Andy Burnham's handled that in Greater Manchester and how Andy Street in the Tory candidate in the Tory mayor in the West Midlands has handled it is phenomenal. Um they've pretty much managed to uh, get rid of rough sleeping in the in Manchester and in Birmingham it's absolutely skyrocketed. So I mean, Byrne has a, a chance, and if he can fight hard on that, and his name recognition might um, uh, do well there. Uh, well, let's hope. And, um, of course, the the ideal thing for the left is that um, if he becomes mayor, um, we get to have a little by-election, and we can, paras- we can parachute a, uh, a nice, left, no, nice young female uh, left-wing candidate who may or may not have lost their seat... In uh, in the north, in um, in the reselection, into into a Birmingham fairly safe uh, constituency. That would oh, be that nice. would be nice. How how safe? 
Um, apparently, apparently, the Tories are polling further up in the since the uh, election. I wouldn't pay too much attention to that. The um, I don't. I wouldn't pay any. I, I always say don't pay any attention to the polls apart from their direction. As 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 does as do all lefties. As, as they repeatedly didn't pay any attention to the polls before the general election. Well, we didn't. It, frankly, what difference would it have made? But <laughs> the. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, but all I'm saying is that sometimes information is there to be learned. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's um. I, what I don't think we should be doing is uh, listening to focus groups or weird polls of people that say um, which of the leadership candidates or deputy leadership candidates they prefer or don't prefer at this stage because your average voter has heard of almost none of them yeah that is well that is absolutely true speaking of people we've not heard of i'm just going to say on the, on my screen is still the name james schneider on the google page because uh, i wanted to know what you, who you're talking about and the leading entry is just a wikipedia snippet that says you know former co-chair of the oxford university liberal democrats and then momentum person People also search for John Landsman, Seamus Mills, etc. Um, but the next thing down below the below the Twitter things is Labour's poshest members, a feature from Tatler magazine in March 2019. So Are you, you on know, it? You never know. What? Sorry. Are you on no, it? No, he is. <laughs> no, I gathered he was. I was just wondering if you were, you know, aspiring to be in the sequel. Oh, Christ, I, th- I think if I was in Tatler, I would be very cross with myself. It's um, yeah, I, d- I, d- I don't know if that um, Westminster selection or any of the polls at the moment all go well or badly for the the leadership election. But mark my words, I think I, the- I don't think that it matters in a way. I, I think that the you know you're saying all go badly or something. I think the important thing is that whatever happens in the leadership election, the Labour Party's got to learn to try and be actually united or you know rather than just united in not being that pleased to have lost you know we've got to sort it out a bit it's difficult i think that the leadership election is a distraction that we shouldn't re i mean ideally we shouldn't have been having it for another year um mm. we should have, we should have been doing something we should have been doing something else because it's forced people to take positions on what went wrong too quickly well we wouldn't we wouldn't have had to have it if there had been a deputy in place but at the same time it's you know we've all seen Corbyn frowning around on the telly and stuff and i don't think having him around for the next year on camera and in parliament admittedly not as much you know it's still going to create some awkward moments this needs to get done and possibly it needs to get done in time you know either in time for somebody to start developing a coherent narrative or in time for us to see hopefully not that whoever it is isn't right either you know that with some of the local elections and that kind of thing i I know people generally get at least one general election before the party turns on them well, no, but, that, well, uh, they, they 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 don't. They, I mean, in in recent years, that's they they genuinely don't, do they? Because uh, Jeremy Corbyn didn't get that. Ed Miliband didn't get that. The party had turned on them way before they even faced any electoral tests. Um, and I think that's worrying. I think if um, people are going to turn on them based on the next year, that's wrong. Uh, based on the next two years, that's probably still wrong. 
um, because it you know what happens if uh, people um, come out of the blocks and they're suddenly a media darling. They are going to just going to fall harder. They, they then carry on being medium darling for four years and then win a general election, Tony. Well, <laughs> the uh, if um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Has anybody got any? Has uh, Rupert Murdoch got any more children who need uh, godfathers or vice versa? I don't know. But what I'm what I'm saying is that the. I didn't. I did. This is the reason why I don't. I think you can write off Parliament for a year. Um, it's certainly not going to get a lot of column inches or whatever the digital equivalent is. So we should. We should. We could have been taking. You know, deciding that we were going to take a long time to think really, really deeply about this. And I don't think. I don't think any reports that come out in the next, or have come out now, or any thoughts now are right. I think they're all going to be. Everybody needs an angle, and they need a. A sort of maximum of two things to be the sort of silver bullet, and um, obviously none of them are, because it isn't that simple. The country's fragmented, and the demographics are all over the place. And you know what? So we might well win, um, uh, like Chingford next time, because the demographics are changing. Or we may well win um, whatever. Uh, what Johnson's constituency is because the demographics are changing. We'd have won Chinkford this time with a, you know, I don't, not Keir Starmer per se, but like somebody they didn't have an active dislike for because of, you know, security things or what, you know, that, that, I would say, you know, the demographic change has already happened and now it was, you know, the difference was very small. It still increased the vote or it still went, you know, got closer. It was it was less than two thousand, I think. But that's but it doesn't. I don't think it matters who the leader is because I think you've still the because so many of the accusations levelled at Jeremy Corbyn were completely untrue. That it actively doesn't matter if there is there are any skeletons in the closet of whoever is the leader because there will be something. It's um and it's it's a it's a whole it's a whole other ball game as it were. I have to say, I have this sort of deep-seated worry that the, you know, not skeleton in the closet or anything, but, uh, you know, uh, Lisa Nandy would would be great, I think, as leader, because, like, as I said, less attached to the history than other candidates from either side. But her dad was a Marxist. They're going to say that a lot. Um, And uh, an Indian Marxist at that. Well, um, it's it's nice to have uh, it's nice to have anybody who's even vaguely connected with um, with Marx in the Labour Party, but it's not just because your father. Yeah, but is... just just imagine trying to say that to the uh, the you know the West Ham fans we were talking about last time. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, this was stuff. This stuff was levelled against um, Ed Miliband, and imagine if um, oddly his father hated Britain, but no one ever seemed to suggest that David Miliband's father hated Britain. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. They would have done if he'd been leader. No, they might. They wouldn't have done if he'd been leader because if he'd have been leader, he'd have been perfectly happy to continue with extraordinary rendition and taking huge amounts of money from from American charities. And well, I, like I'm not a big fan of Britain right now. I'm looking at my, you know, less and less useful passport and the frankly mediocre weather and the horrible shouty people on the TV after Brexit Day, and. Uh, you know, I'm not sure I want to be here so much. 
We do Clever or Stupid, it's your favourite feature, right, Ad? Have you seen the sort of vox pops that the BBC were doing um, on uh, Brexit? With, with the stupid people. Well, yes. th- this is the Why thing. didn't they do those on 2016? Well, two, two things about this. There was one famous one of a guy in a cap who was quite obviously a little bit um, tired and emotional. Uh, and he suggested that we needed a change because we'd had 40 years of it and we'd lost all our infrastructure. And he was blaming the EU <laughs> and he was voting out. And everybody was ripping the piss out of this guy. But here's the thing. This man has correctly identified one of the big problems in society. not that, And he's, and he's misidentified the culprit. So he's identified we've had 40 years of it, it being, I would say, Thatcherite neoliberalism. He's identified that we've lost our infrastructure. He, and he may even know that we've lost our infrastructure to the French, to the Dutch, to the Germans, to other EU yep. states. He's misidentified the cause, and he's certainly been missold the solution. But that guy was one step or possibly two steps closer to a proper political analysis of the situation Britain's facing than any of the Guardian columnists who were laughing at him and saying that the EU and the status quo was the way forward. So is he clever or stupid? I mean, no, he is still stupid because it wasn't that hard to work out. The information was available to him um, and the people he chose to trust were, you know, flawed at best but had he had he trusted i don't know james o'brien he'd have may have said the right answer but for very much the wrong reasons lacking a class analysis or any real hope for change if he'd voted the right way um i wouldn't really care whether he got the re- reasons right or not and this is the difference between you and me ad and this is why every week... It, and it's the difference between our sides, I guess. I'd rather win. You'd rather everyone was a better person. I'd rather everybody was... I'd rather everybody I'd had... Like, a, I Don't get me wrong. I would like everyone to be a better person. Um, and I think that all of us as a society would win because of it. I just have a horrible feeling that we would never reach the line, you know, for sake of argument, the 50% line in society on any one day of everyone hoping to make things better. So, maybe. yeah, I know. It's, I'm depressing myself even by saying it. Maybe, but maybe not. Right. But I've been, uh, maybe our listener, uh, or maybe there's two of them, can help uh, with this. Yeah, hi, you two. But the, uh, I'm thinking of using the fallow months between branch meetings to uh, create some sort of political education event or meeting uh, in our local area. And I'm struggling for a name. Um, so uh, if anybody can help, that would be really useful. Um, you know, to try and convince some of these fake flat hat people that uh, that it is possible to get change, and it is possible to get change through the the ballot box. But um, the, perhaps something got to like listen. Change UK. Mm, uh, it's it's not what. Uh, well, I was going to think about. I was thinking of uh, the Pablo Neruda quote that's become very um, uh, well used during the election about. You know, you can cut all the flowers, but you can't stop spring from coming. And, of course, the Arab Spring, uh, not that it was particularly successful in the end. Um, I was thinking of calling it Abingdon Spring, but um, that actually like that actually turns out to be a, a, a mineral water. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> I won't be doing that. But uh, if you have any ideas, do email us at uh, hello at thatoption.co.uk. You can uh, listen to all our episodes at... 
thatoption.co.uk. Follow us and argue with us on Twitter at thatoptionpod or just search on your Facebook. Um, and we'll have another heated debate very soon. I've been John Bounds, he's been Adam Juniper, and I hope you've enjoyed being with us. Bye. <laughs>